open your Bible this morning, please, to Esther chapter 9. Do get a copy of God's Word. We're going to go through Esther 9 and 10 this morning. And I want you to be able to follow along uh, as we study. Esther chapter 9. If you have a hard time finding Esther, go to Psalms and back up a couple of uh, books and you'll find yourself in the end of Esther uh, chapter 9 and uh, 10. Esther chapter 9. Sorry, I forgot to turn this on. There we go. Well, how's your day going? Well, some having a good day. Does anyone ever ask you that question? Well, yeah, I just ask you. But that's a question we get asked a lot, isn't it? If, if you're honest, do you have a standard answer to that question? Well, how's your day going? Good. Great. Tolerable. Fair to Midland. Now, we realize, of course, that not everyone who asks us that question, really, they don't really want an honest answer. Not everybody wants an honest answer. Some folks who ask that question will give you an honest answer. You ever found that to be true? They don't get asked very much. But let's be honest for a moment. Life is tough at times, isn't it? Life is tough. Our days can be filled with all sorts of uh, issues and emotions. You add to that exhaustion and stress and the pressure of uh, modern day living. And days that you live can be downright difficult. They just be difficult, tough, um, hard. But thankfully, they're not all equally difficult. Uh, we have hard days, and then praise the Lord, we have happy days. And I was thinking about that as I've been studying Esther 9 and 10. I was reminded about something uh, that I learned from Warren Wearsby years ago. And uh, Warren Wearsby said that God balances our lives by giving us enough blessings to keep us happy and enough burdens to keep us humble. Enough blessings to keep us happy and enough burdens to keep us humble. He said, if all we had were blessings in our hands, if our hands were just loaded with blessings, we'd fall right over. And so the Lord balances the blessings in our hands with burdens on our backs. And by doing that, it helps keep us balanced in our life. And he says, as we yield to him, he can even turn those burdens into blessings. Now, I've never forgotten that. I always picture that when the hard days come, you've got those burdens. But then those happy days come, you've got those blessings and God keeps us balanced. That's good, isn't it? You know, if you never had a bad day, you wouldn't know what a good day was. If you never had any burdens, how would you know what a blessing was? Well, in this morning's final message from the book of Esther, and this is the last one, we're going to start a new series. I told you on the parables next Sunday, God willing. We're going to see those two different types of days before us. We're going to see hard days and we're going to see happy days. And they're laid out for us here in Esther chapter 9 and chapter 10. So I want to talk about those two days for a moment, the hard days and the happy days. Now, before we read the first passage here in Esther chapter 9, let me refresh your memory a little bit because this is message number 8. We've been studying the book of Esther for a while now, but when you add in all the special Sundays, it's taken us a while to go through the book. You remember that Haman, the enemy of the Jews, has placed a genocide law or order upon the Jewish people. All of the Jews are to be done away with. They're all to be killed on a certain day. They're to be done away with. Every Jew. But we've watched as God has slipped his hand into the glove of history and he's brought about the means to protect his people, the Jews. There is now a law that's been issued that the Jews can fight back. They can protect themselves. They can defend themselves against us. Now, Haman is dead. He's already been hanged. But the law is still in effect. And so a new law comes and says, listen, that law is still in place. 
You could still be attacked and killed, but here's the new law. You can defend yourself. Don't take it laying down. You can defend yourself. That's where we are. And so that day arrives. Imagine you've been waiting all this time. That day's been circled in your calendar. The day where the law goes to effect that you're to be killed. Not just you, your family, your babies, your children, your grandparents. Every Jewish person is to be killed. That day arrives. We find it. Esther chapter 9, verse 1. Read it with me. And your copy of God's word as I read it here. Now in the twelfth month, that is the month of Adar, on the thirteenth day, the time came for the king's command. And his decree to be executed on the day that the enemies of the Jews had hoped to overpower them. The opposite occurred in that the Jews themselves overpowered those who hated them. Verse two, the Jews gathered together in their cities throughout all the provinces of King Ahasuerus to lay hands on those who sought their harm. And no one could withstand them because fear of them fell upon all people. And all the officials of the provinces, the satraps and the governors and all those doing the king's work. What did they do? They helped the Jews because the fear of Mordecai fell upon them. For Mordecai was great in the king's palace and his fame spread throughout all the provinces. For this man, Mordecai became increasingly prominent. Verse five. Thus, the Jews defeated all their enemies with the stroke of the sword. With slaughter and destruction and did what they pleased with those who hated them. And in Shushan, the citadel, the Jews killed and destroyed 500 men. And verses 7, 8, and 9 give you some really difficult names to pronounce. We'll skip to verse 10. Those are the ten sons of Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews. And those are his ten sons. And by the way, if you're expecting and you say, I want a different name for this child. Well, there you go. Uh, verses uh, 7, 8, and 9. Uh, those are yours, the ten sons. But I wouldn't recommend it because they were the ten sons of the enemy of the Jews. Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews. They killed, but they did did not lay a hand on the plunder. They didn't take anything. Now, we noticed some things right away to kind of set the stage today. I wrote down four or five things here right away from just those first ten verses. First of all, did you notice there were still those who wanted to kill and steal from the Jews? There were still those who wanted to harm them. Secondly, did you notice that fear of the Jews fell upon all people? I mean, the fear of the Jews fell upon these people. They began to grow afraid because God had placed them in such a place. Number three, did you notice the officials, the government officials actually helped the Jews because of fear of Mordecai? You know, Mordecai had been promoted to be second in command of all the kingdom. And they were afraid of Mordecai. So the officials helped them. Did you notice fourthly in Shushan, they not only killed 500 men, but they killed Haman's 10 sons as well. And then fifthly, did you notice this? Though they defended themselves, they didn't take anything for themselves. The end of verse 10 says they did not lay a hand on the plunder. That's a key part right there because we'll see it again later as we read. Okay, let's keep going. You're at verse 11. You ready? We know those five things already. Verse 11. On that day, the number of those who were killed in Shushan, the citadel, was brought to the king. And the king said to Queen Esther, The Jews have killed and destroyed 500 men in Shushan, the citadel, and the ten sons of Haman. What have they done in the rest of the king's prophecy? This went out into all of his kingdom. 
Now, what is your petition? It shall be granted to you. Or what is your further request? It shall be done. Now, verse 13 says, then Esther said, if it pleases the king, let it be granted to the Jews who are in Shushan. That is the citadel, the capital to do again tomorrow, according to today's decree. And let Haman's ten sons be hanged on the gallows. So the king commanded this to be done. The decree was issued in Chushan and they hanged Haman's ten sons. Maybe on the same place that they hung Haman. We're not sure. Verse 15. And the Jews who were in Shushan gathered together again on the 14th day of the month, or on the next day of Adar, and killed 300 men at Shushan. But they did not lay a hand on the plunder. So day one, they killed 500. Day two, they killed 300. Now we go to the rest of the kingdom, verse 16. The remainder of the Jews in the king's provinces gathered together and protected their lives, had rest from their enemies, and killed, notice this, 75,000 of their enemies. But they did not lay a hand on the plunder. Now, it seems that in the, the capital, Shushan, the Jews couldn't get accomplished everything they needed to get accomplished on that first day. There were still pockets of resistance. There were still those who hated the Jews and sought the harm of the Jews. And so Esther says, listen, if it pleases you, give us another day to do battle in the capital, in the Shushan, the citadel. And the king says, yes. And so they killed more people. But in the provinces, they just battled on the one day, but they killed 75,000 uh, people that wanted to do harm to the Jews. Now, you notice that Esther asked that Haman's ten sons be hanged on the gallows. Some Bible commentators struggle with that. They wonder, was uh, Esther being vindictive? Was she being vengeful? Well, I just want to say this. The Bible is silent on it, and so I will remain silent as well. We just don't know uh, the answer to that. But nonetheless, it happens Three hundred more men are killed in the palace. They didn't take anything. Seventy five thousand men are killed abroad. They didn't take anything. Now, listen, I'm assuming it's safe to say that this were these were hard days for the Jews. You say, well, I thought it'd be hard days for those that killed. Yes, it would be. But these were hard days for the Jews. Why? They didn't go looking for this problem. They didn't request this problem. They didn't go asking to be put under a death sentence. They didn't ask Haman, and Haman was satanically inspired, by the way, to put a bullseye on the Jewish people and say, kill all of them and do away with them. They didn't go looking for this, but it came. You know, we don't have to go looking for problems, do we? (laughs) No one in their right mind wakes up and says, boy, I hope today is filled with problems. I just can't wait. I'm going to jump out of the bed and I just I hope they come quickly. I hope the phone rings right away. We don't go looking for problems. We don't have to. Why? Because they come. Though they're not invited, those hard days come. Though they're not welcome, those hard days come. And the thing we must remember during the hard days of life, when the days are hard and, and the stresses come and the problems and the wearies, we, we've got to remember this, that God is still God even on the hard days. Even on the worst days, the most difficult days of our life, God is still God and he's still in control and he's still sovereign and he's still good and he's still loving and he's still kind. And he can take even the hardest of days and turn them for our good and for his glory. You know, they didn't have Romans eight twenty eight. We do. Romans 8, 28 says we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. They didn't have that, but they lived it out nonetheless. 
Now, surely it was not easy to slay so many people. 75,000 out and abroad, 800 in the capital place, uh, the 10 sons of Haman. Self-defense is something. Listen, most of us hope to never have to exercise self-defense. We prepare, we ready ourselves, we're ready to do it. But protecting your life and protecting the life of your family is not something taken lightly. It's not something you go looking for. It's something that comes upon you and it's hard. And that's what they do here. God had made a way when there seemed there was no way. God strengthened their hands. He placed their own in office and he put fear in the hearts of those who would oppose them. Why? Because God has made a promise. He will protect his people. God has made a promise. He made it to Abraham so long ago. We studied about Abraham and Sarah this morning in our adult classes. That he would bless those who bless you and I'll curse those who curse you. And we see him fulfilling that promise and and, and, and having it played out here in the life of these people. And in the midst of the hard days of life. When the problems and struggles increase, we must look to the Lord. We must trust him. We must turn to him and we must depend upon him and his word. And we've got to to look to him in the hard days and those struggles of life. And we can go from fear to faith. And uh, here we find them going from fear to faith to fighting. And we find them going to victory. There's victory for the Jews here in this passage. Now imagine the relief. That came. They were living under a death sentence all this time. They knew there was a date on the calendar where they were legally going to be destroyed and their possessions plundered. Their little children, imagine the mothers rocking their babies, thinking about there's a day coming where someone wants to kill my child. As you talk, uh, as you touch your toddler in the bed at night, you know, there's a day coming. They're going to slay your toddler. As you see your 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 older teenage boy or girl, there they are in the prime and the strength of life, knowing someone wants to cut that short. There you see your grandparents. They're over there. You see your mother and your father. Someone's going to kill them. And you live under that day after day after day. And then there comes a day. Where God makes a way where there was no way. And Allah says, listen, you don't have to take it. You can defend yourself. And then that day comes. And God strengthens your hand. And you're victorious. Imagine the relief. Imagine the joy. On the day that the the enemy hoped to overpower them. I love how verse 1 plays that out there. On the day that the enemies of the Jews had hoped to overpower them, the opposite occurred. God turned the tables on the enemies of the Jews. I couldn't help but to think about what the psalmist wrote. I went and looked it up. In fact, I I found the newer version. Listen to what it says. Psalm 30 verses 1 through 5 in the New Living Translation. I will exalt you, Lord, for you have rescued me. You refuse to let my enemies triumph over me. Oh, Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you restored my health. You brought me up from the grave, O Lord. You kept me from falling into the pit of death. Sing to the Lord, all you godly ones. Praise His holy name, for His anger lasts only a moment, but His favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but how's it finish? Joy comes in the morning. And we see that in the life of these precious Jewish people. And we see it in our life too, don't we, beloved? Those hard days come. But we have a good Father. A glorious Father. A good God. And here they are. They went from life. Excuse me. They went from death to life. They went from fear to faith. They went from fighting to feasting. Which brings us to the second time of day we find here. The second kind of day is this. Happy days. Now this is not the TV show. These are those happy days that come 
in our lives. These can be those red letter days. I mean, those fantastic, you know, once in a lifetime days, or they can just be those average happy days. And by the way, these are the days that we all love. We all love these types of days. Those happy days, those good days. If the hard days are the burden on my back, the happy days are the blessings in my hand as God is balancing me and he's keeping me happy and humble. So let me set the stage again. The Jews in the citadel in Shushan were engaged in battle on the 13th and 14th day. The Jews out in the further kingdom, they were engaged in battle on just the 13th day. But they all were going to feast and celebrate afterwards. Okay, pick up the story. Chapter nine, verse 17. This was on the 13th day of the month of Adar. And on the 14th of the month, they rested and made it a day of feasting and gladness. But the Jews who were at Shushan assembled together on the 13th day as well as on the 14th. And on the 15th of the month, they rested and made it a day of feasting and gladness. Verse 19. Therefore, the Jews of the villages who dwelt in the unwalled town celebrated the 14th day of the month of Adar, gladness and feasting, as a holiday and for sending presents to one another. And Mordecai wrote these things and sent letters to all the Jews near and far who were in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus to establish among them they should celebrate yearly. Now watch this. The 14th and 15th days of the month of Adar. So you got it so far. There's going to be an official holiday on the 14th and the 15th days of the month of Adar. And this is telling us about the Jewish festival known as the Festival of Purim. The Festival of Purim. P-U-R-I-M. We'll talk more about the festival in a moment. But why was it celebrated on the 14th and the 15th? Because you had those at about. They battled on the 13th. Rested and celebrated on the 14th. Those in the capital, they battled on the 13th and 14th. They rested on the 15th. So what do you do? You have a holiday on the 14th and the 15th. Everybody got that? If not, see me after and I'll try to confuse you more. All right. Verse 22. As the days on which the Jews had rest their enemies, as the month which was turned from sorrow to joy for them and from mourning to a holiday, that they should make them days of feasting and joy of sending presents to one another and gifts to the poor. So the Jews accepted the custom which they had begun, as Mordecai had written to them, because Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, the enemy of all the Jews, had plotted against the Jews to annihilate annihilate them, and it cast the purr, that is, the lot to consume them and destroy them. So the festival of Purim, P-U-R-I-M, comes based upon the pure, P-U-R, which was the lot. Remember, they cast a lot. They cast lots to see what day are we going to destroy the Jews. And so now they're going to have the festival of Purim. Well, let's read about it. Verse 25. But when Esther came before the king, he commanded by letter that this wicked plot, which Haman had devised against the Jews, should return on his own head and that he he and his son should be hanged on the gallows. So they called these days Purim after the name Pure. Therefore, because of all the words of this letter, what they had seen concerning this matter and what had happened to them, the Jews established and imposed it, watch this, upon themselves and their descendants and all who would join them that without fail, they should celebrate these two days every year according to the written instructions and according to the prescribed time. Verse 28. 
that these days should be remembered and kept throughout every generation, every family, every province, every city, that the days of Purim should not fail to be observed among the Jews, that the memory of them should not perish among their descendants. Then Queen Esther, the daughter of Abihel, with Mordecai the Jew, wrote with full authority to confirm the second letter about Purim. And Mordecai sent letters to all the Jews, to the 127 provinces of the kingdom of Ahasuerus, with words of peace and truth to confirm these days of Purim at their appointed time, as Mordecai the Jew and Queen Esther had prescribed for them. And as they had decreed for themselves and their descendants concerning matters of their feasting and lamenting. So the decree of Esther confirmed these matters of Purim, and it was written in the book. Now, I'm told that the festival of Purim is still celebrated today. Derek Prime said every year the Jews celebrate their deliverance in the festival of Purim. It is in the spring, a month before Passover. For Jews, especially Jewish children, it is a very much a fun day when they often dress up as the different characters in the story. So I guess you have girls dressing up as Esther and you have boys dressing up as Mordecai. And I guess the bad boys and girls dress up as Haman. I don't know. But they dress up as characters. That makes me think about uh, what we celebrate, you know, Halloween time or whatever. It says every time, every time Haman's name is mentioned, I think they read through the story. Every time Haman's name is mentioned, there's hissing and booing, stamping of feet and waving of rattles to drown it. So we should have we studied the whole book that way. Imagine if I said, Haman, you that would have kept some of y'all awake. We should have done that through the whole book. But that's what they did. They read it. And it says every time Mordecai is greeted, they're greeted with cheering. Yeah! That's too, that's too extreme for us. All right. They eat pastries called Haman's ears and pockets are eaten. I'm not sure what pockets. I don't know what's in Haman's ears, but they eat it anyway. It says children take gifts of food to the elderly, and the day is spent in what is altogether a party atmosphere, but the celebration is not just confined to the children. They all celebrate. It sounds a lot like a combination to me, and to help us, you know, it's kind of like a combination of maybe like dressing up Halloween and then Christmas giving gifts and food and Thanksgiving, mixing it all together. But they're celebrating what? They're celebrating God's goodness and God's deliverance. Uh, these are happy days. And for the most part, the book of Esther ends on a happy note. Look at the last chapter. By the way, it's only three verses. Chapter 10, verse 1. And King Ahasuerus imposed tribute on the land and on the islands of the sea. I said it ends on mostly a happy note, you know, taxes. But verse 2. Now all the acts of his power and his might and account of the greatness of Mordecai to which the king advanced him. Are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Media and Persia? For Mordecai the Jew was second to King Ahasuerus. And was great. Now, remember, he was going to be put to death earlier in the book. Here he is. He was great among the Jews, well received by the multitude of his brethren, seeking the good of his people and speaking peace to all his countrymen. God had faithfully delivered his people, promoted his people and protected his people. The book of Esther shows us that. And these passages remind us today that we need to remember to celebrate God's goodness to us. We need to remember to celebrate God's goodness. Just and we said what on the hard days, we need to remember that God is still God. He's even on the hard days. He's still God. But here we need to remember to celebrate God's goodness to us. We need to celebrate more. I'm just going to say that we need to celebrate more. Amen. We need to celebrate more. 
not celebrate us. Not say, oh, look how great we are. We're so wonderful. No, we need to celebrate God and His goodness. We need to rejoice in what God has done. Really, that's what Sunday is all about, beloved. We're here at a worship service. That is, we're here to ascribe worth to the Lord. We're here to celebrate Him and exalt Him and praise Him and magnify Him, to celebrate Him, to sing about His amazing grace, to sing about all these things that are good. It is good. It is good. Everything God made, what they sang just a few moments ago. That's what Sunday's all about, worshiping the Lord, exalting Him, ascribing worth. We have our special holidays too, don't we? Think about our holidays for a moment. One of the highlights for us as Christians is Easter, right? We just celebrated it. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We rejoice in that. We celebrate His goodness, His victory over death, hell, and the grave. There's Christmas. Boy, we celebrate that, don't we? We send gifts one to another. We feast just like they do in the Festival of Purim. We rejoice in God's goodness. There's Thanksgiving. We, again, we feast and we celebrate God's goodness. For us Baptists, homecoming, we rejoice and we feast in God's goodness, right? We celebrate as others come back and we see each other and we rejoice together. So as a body of believers, we have our celebrations. And then personally, and as a family, we have those celebrations of God's goodness. We think about birthdays. Now, not everybody celebrates birthdays. I mean, I consider that good, but consider the alternative. If you got a birthday, right? Consider the alternative. Uh, there are many uh, your age that didn't get together. We celebrate God's goodness at our birthday. Anniversaries. With our spouse, we celebrate God's goodness. Graduations. Can I get an amen, parents? We celebrate God's goodness. New births. God has brought new life into the world. We celebrate God's goodness. See, the focus is not upon us. Yes, God has blessed us, but the focus is upon the one who is the giver, the one who is the blesser. We're blessed. He's the blesser. And all of these things are possible. Why? Because of God's grace and goodness. And we ought to celebrate God's grace and goodness. And listen, not just on the happy days, we can celebrate God's goodness On the hard days, too. You see, if we'll just trust the Lord and depend upon him and turn to him, he can even take those hard days that we all dread and don't want. And he can make them truly happy. So what do you mean, preacher? Well, he can take those hard days and bring about joy in the midst of the hardship. Because, listen, regardless of what we're experiencing, God is unchanging. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the rock we can trust in. He's the anchor for our soul. He's our refuge and very present help in the day of trouble. He's the great I am, the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's the creator and sustainer of the universe. He's God alone and we can trust him and we can rejoice in him on the hard days. We can trust him and rejoice in him on the happy days and we can trust in him every day. Why? Because he's God alone and he's glorious and he's good. And he's faithful and he's just and he's worthy of our worship and our praise. He's worthy of our celebrations. He is God alone and he is God. You know, beloved, I hope that you've noticed that the book of Esther reminds us if you've been with us through the study. And if not, you're coming in today. You know, the name of God is not mentioned in Esther. 
And many people look at Esther and it seems like that God is absent from the book, but nothing could be further from the truth. Because you do, although you don't see God mentioned, you don't see God, his fingerprints are all over this book. And we've seen how that though we cannot see him, he's at work behind the scenes. We've talked about the providence of God. We picture that as God slipping his hand into the glove of history and orchestrating things according to his will and his purpose and his his glory and his own people's good. He's working about in our lives as well to bring about our good and his glory. And so we trust him. We trust him. Can I encourage you to do something this week? Can I encourage you to take a few minutes and sit down and look back over your life? Think about the happy days. I'm I'm sure there are a lot of them. If you live for any amount of time, God has brought much joy into your life. And I know that as you look back, there are going to be hard days. Days that... You never asked for days you never wanted. But you look back at those days and you begin to recount them. And then as you're looking at the happy days, you're looking at the hard days. I want you to go a step further. I want you to consider how the Lord sustains you and how the Lord blessed you in those days. When you think about the happy days, you think about God. That's God's blessing. God did that for us. God did that. for God did that for our family. God did that for our church. And then on the hard days, the days where the tears come and the stresses and trials of life, you look back and you see God sustained you and God held you and God loved you. And then as you're looking back, here's another thing I would ask you to do. Don't forget to think about all the things that God kept you from. What do you mean, preacher? I mean this. The desires that he placed upon your life that God said no to. Those things you pray so earnestly for, you wanted, you desired, and God said no. Why? Because he had a better plan. And he had your good and his glory in mind. You spend some time looking at that. And then you begin, if you'll do that, I think you'll begin to celebrate him and his goodness. And it'll throw your heart. It'll bless your heart. As you begin to praise Him, oh God, thank You for Your blessings. Thank You for Your sustaining grace. Thank You for saving me from myself. You see, it's appropriate to celebrate Him, not just at Easter, not just at Christmas, not just at Thanksgiving, but every day. Now let me give you a word of warning and we're done. This week, more than likely, you're going to have both kinds of days. You're going to have some happy days. And more than likely, because we live in a sin-cursed, fallen world, more than likely, there's going to be a hard day or two, or maybe a combination of both. Isn't that the way it is oftentimes? I know as a pastor, that's what a lot of my days are taken up with. I'm going to people on the highest of heights and the lowest of the valleys. You know, the same day can celebrate a birth of one and a death. I think about a death of another, but... Our life's going to be filled this week with hard days and happy days and hard times and happy times. Can I encourage you this week that in those situations to simply trust him and praise him. Trust him and praise him this week. 
Remember that he's there. He's alive. Listen, he's aware. He's not caught off guard. You might be caught off guard. You might be caught off guard. He's not caught off guard. He's there. He's alive. He's aware. He's working. And listen, he loves you with an unconditional, everlasting love. He's worthy to be celebrated. He's worthy to be praised. And he's worthy to be trusted. Would you do it this week as you live your life for Jesus Christ? Father, thank you for the story of Esther. Thank you for making it so plain and clear. Thank you for showing Esther and Mordecai and these folks in so many ways, warts and all. We're encouraged today, Lord, to know that you're in charge. We're encouraged to know that you're in control of all things, including our lives. I pray, first of all, that if someone's here and they've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, I pray for your Holy Spirit to convict their heart, show them their need of Christ and their sin, and bring them to saving faith in Jesus Christ alone before it's eternally too late. Then I pray for my brothers and sisters. Lord, this message has been primarily directed toward those who know you. And Lord, you know our days. Our days are numbered. Lord, you know everything we've experienced, everything we're going to experience before we even get to that point. And you're faithful. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to celebrate and worship and praise you. Help us to do that on a daily basis. Thank you that on the hardest of our days, you're still on the throne. Thank you on the happiest of our days, you're on the throne. You're in charge of our lives. And Lord, we thank you for that. Help us to trust you. Help us to follow you. Help us to praise you. Bless this invitation, I pray. And I ask this in the name of Jesus. And for his sake. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning is Trusting Jesus. 417. And as we stand and sing, the altar is open, beloved. You need to be saved today. We'd love to lead you to the cross. Maybe God has spoken to your heart. Maybe you're going through some hard days right now. Maybe you're going through a time of celebration in your life. Whatever it is. The altar is open. You can come here and give those needs or those praises to the Lord. And I would invite you to do so as we sing these simple words, simply trusting every day, trusting through a stormy way. Even when my faith is small, trusting Jesus, that is all. Trusting as the moments fly, trusting as the days go by, trusting him. Watch this. Whatever befall, hard or happy, trusting Jesus. That is all. Would you stand as you come as God leads? 417, trusting Jesus.